0: If you would stand with me this morning and turn in your Bibles to Joel chapter 2, verses 12 to 32. We're going to start with our key verse this morning for our entire series, which is John 3.16. And that says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then Joel, chapter 2, verses 12 through 32. Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart, not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love and he relents from sending calamity. Who knows he may turn and relent and leave behind a blessing, grain offerings and drink offerings for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, declare a holy fast, call a sacred assembly, gather the people, consecrate the assembly, bring together the elders, gather the children, those nursing at the breast. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chambers. Let the priests who minister before the Lord weep between the portico and the altar. Let them say, spare your people, Lord, Do not make your inheritance an object of scorn, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the peoples, where is their God? Then the Lord was jealous for his land and took pity on his people. And the Lord replied to them, I am sending you grain, new wine, and olive oil, enough to satisfy you fully. Never again will I make you an object of scorn to the nations. I will drive the northern horde far from you, pushing it into a parched and barren land, its eastern ranks will drown in the Dead Sea, and its western ranks in the Mediterranean Sea, and its stench will go up, its smell will rise. Surely he has done great things. Do not be afraid, land of Judah. Be glad and rejoice. Surely the Lord has done great things. Do not be afraid, you wild animals, for the pastures in the wilderness are becoming green, the trees are bearing their fruit, the fig tree and the vine yield their riches. Be glad, people of Zion. Rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the autumn rains because he is faithful. He sends you abundant showers, both autumn and spring rains as before. The threshing floors will be filled with grain. The vats will overflow with new wine and oil. I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten, the great locusts and the young locusts, the other locusts and the locust swarm, my great army that I sent among you. You will have plenty to eat until you are full. And you will praise the name of the Lord your God, who has worked wonders for you. Never again will my people be shamed. Then you will know that I am in Israel, that I am the Lord your God, and that there is no other. Never again will my people be shamed. And afterward, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my Spirit in those days. I will shower wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there will be deliverance, as the Lord has said, even among the survivors whom the Lord calls. Let us pray. Hide me behind your cross, Lord Jesus. Articulate the Father's heart through my voice, and let the Holy Spirit breathe new life to us, opening our ears to hear the message of God. Amen. You may be seated. These next 11 weeks, we will be walking through the last of the Old Testament on our way to the arrival of Jesus. As we do, we are exploring what are called the Minor Prophets, These are minor, not because they uh, have nothing important to say to us, but because their books are really short. (laughs) That's actually the reason why they were classified as minor prophets in, uh, in the development of the canon. But one of the things that we will see is that much of their message is similar. Over time... All of them kind of say similar things. They talk to us about the ways that we repent and what happens when we repent. And as they're doing this, the preparation is for the people of Israel in particular, but for us generally, for the actual advent of Jesus, which will bring and make possible permanent redemption for the people of God. The thing is is that in this time the people have experienced some very very difficult times. They've actually had for about 3 years all of their crops have been destroyed by locusts. And in this case Joel comes to them and says, "The locusts were a they were a sign from God that you're not following God." Now, I say this, that this is specifically true in this time, at this place, that God had done this for the people of Israel. But sometimes a locust is just a locust. Do not see a locust and think, this means that God is somehow mad at me. Because what God did to reveal himself in those days is way different than how God has revealed revealed himself to us in these times. In other words, when we see a locust, it's probably just a locust. When we go through a difficult time, it's probably just a difficult time. It's not some sort of thing that God has brought on us. Instead, it is something God can use for our benefit. In this time, before Jesus had come, there were There were multiple ways that God chose to speak to his people. In our day, we know that Jesus is the final revelation of God. He has given us everything we need to know in the person of Jesus. That's the revelation that we were waiting for all throughout scripture. And it is that revelation that these minor prophets, Joel and uh, Amos and Obadiah and Zephaniah and Haggai are giving us little glimpses into seeing what redemption looks like. And so, in this oracle that Joel has written down, one of the really cool things about oracles is you can tell when it's an oracle because it's kind of written like poetry, but it says all kinds of things about the day of the Lord and all of these things that are going to happen. These are all things that are talking about and pointing to the advent of Jesus. And so God talks about the fact that this, these locusts have come and they've destroyed everything. I was thinking about locusts. I'm like, we don't really have a lot of personal experience with locusts. Well, at least, okay, me as a city girl, I don't have a lot of personal experience with locusts. Maybe some of those who have uh, have grown crops, maybe you have seen them more commonly. But I was thinking about um, the stories in Little House in the Prairie. Have you ever read the Little House in the Prairie series of books? There's a time when the Ingalls family is in a place and there comes a plague of locusts. And the locusts come, and it almost, in the way that uh, Laura Ingalls describes it, it's almost like they come, and they line up along the edge of the fields, and they just start chomping their way through it. And so you can see how the people would sort of look at that and say, that looks like an army. They've come as an army, and they've come to devour what was there. And so... This is what has happened in Israel. They have had this happen where these locusts have come and devoured everything. They've taken all of the food that they would have. They have taken all that they have. And Joel says, look, this is a sign that you haven't been doing what you're supposed to do. You haven't been repenting. You haven't been living the way God asks you to live. And so Joel says to them, here's what you can do. You can repent. Then let's see if God will come through. And then God sort of replies back in this, and he says, yes, if you repent, I will redeem you. And not only will I redeem you, but I I love this phrase, I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. It's a, that's a pretty big statement. This is a time when they've gone through three years of really big scarcity. And God says to them, yes, you've gone through this really rough time, these three years of scarcity, but I am promising you that the new time, what's coming, is going to be better. It's going to be more. You're not going to remember what happened to you back then. I was thinking about this too when um, kind of the short term memory of people about bad things. If you, um, not really, really bad trauma, but things like um, cold weather. My sister lives in Ohio, and in Ohio, they have a tendency to have like really nasty weather for a very long period of time I know we have that here too but they have a tendency to forget so a couple of weeks ago you might remember it was really really cold and my sister had a memory that popped up on Facebook that told her that only two years ago it had been even colder and when she asked some of her coworkers, she's like, yeah, it it was just, I mean, it was colder than this like two years ago. And they were like, no, it wasn't. I don't remember that. That's crazy. And she says, man, I wish I had your memory loss because I do remember it being that cold. But that's sort of what God is promising here. He says, you're not going to remember what happened when the locusts were here. Because the time will get better. And in that sense, I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. And in this whole thing, there's a there's a line at the very beginning where it says, rend your heart and not your garments. God is not talking about some sort of obvious piety that comes out by virtue of looking sad or looking like you've walked through something difficult. But instead, he's asking you to examine who you are and return to the favor of God. And then, when all of that has happened, God says he will pour out his spirit on his people. Now, this is, again, this is a pointing forward. This is pointing forward, and we know that because the very same verses that are recorded here that Joel speaks to these people in Israel are verses that Peter later repeats on the day of Pentecost. All of what Joel is saying here is about Jesus and what happens with Jesus. This is how you're going to get repaid. You're going to be able to live a life that is abundant with Jesus. And then I'm going to pour out my Holy Spirit, God says, and you will be able to walk with the Spirit. This was a big thing because in this time when God is talking, the only people who ever had the Spirit poured out on them were prophets and kings who were anointed by God. Those were the only two groups that ever had any kind of special spiritual anointing, and usually it was for just a short period of time. But what the promise is here is that God will pour it out. It's not just going to be a limited time event. It's something that will happen Continuously in the lives of those who follow Jesus. And so here we are today. And we're in a a new space. We've left a place behind that was um, important to us. But when we left it, it was because we were kind of experiencing some locust years. We had been experiencing some difficulties. We had been walking through some challenges in that space. And so we're moving here. And I believe we can claim this promise that God will repay us for the years the locusts have eaten in this space. If we commit to being obedient, if we commit to following what he has brought us to this place to do. God will repay us for the years the locusts have eaten. I know sometimes it's really difficult to see God at work in your life when everything is going wrong. when you're handling multiple pressures, when your job is failing, when your kids are sick, when you're sick, when life is just piling on, it's really hard to see how it is ever possible for God to redeem that. But when we look at what Jesus said, Jesus tells us that when you get to that place, when you're in that moment where everything is weighing on you, Jesus specifically calls you out. He says, Hey, you guys, you ones that have these big, heavy burdens. You people that are really, really tired, come to me. Come to me. Because I offer you not only redemption and restoration, but I offer you rest. He says, Come to me, you who are heavy laden and weary. And I will give you rest. For my burden is easy. And my yoke is light. So when you are walking with Jesus. Know that the promise is. That your burden. Is shared. Not just. With your family of faith. But it is shared with the God who loves you. God has promised that we would see redemption and restoration and rest. And he has promised these things through the person of Jesus. The promises that Joel has pointed out from God have already happened for us. All we have to do is ask God to show them to us. So as we have done every single week in this series, I would ask those of you who have a blue sheet to pull it out. If you don't have a blue sheet, Dylan, would you be willing to grab some blue sheets and hand them out for me? Grab the whole stack. And just if you need a blue sheet, raise your hand. (laughs) They'll bring them up to you all the way up the front here the front seat. There you go. Good job. And give one to, to Yeah. Do you need one, dear? And give one to Tom. There you go, Mr. Jensen. Go. Good job. Thank you. So you can follow along on your sheets and if you would say whatever is bolded on those pages as we go through it what does it mean to say God loves, God loves us to create us to form us from the dust God loves us to let us fail To let us choose our own way over God's, to let us chain ourselves to (coughs) sin and defeat and heartbreak and sorrow and death. To provide a rescue, a way back through wanderers, murderers, adulterers, defaulters, promise breakers, foreigners, strangers, and lovers. To show us mothers, judges, kings, and prophets who loved and spoke for God and kept reminding us of the promise of redemption. To show us how evil and wrong continually mess things up and how obedience to God fosters holiness and bestows blessing. To send us Jesus, the only begotten Son of God, to preach and live peace, grace, hope, joy, and love. love To see Jesus rejected, to see him die, to see him buried to raise Jesus from the dead and send the Holy Spirit to remind us of all we have in him and empower us to live like Jesus to want us to live like Jesus an abundant life infused with all the fruit of the Spirit redeemed, free, loved to still let us choose our own destiny to promise the hope of forever of resurrection from the dead and final judgment God loved us enough God loves us enough. God will always love us enough. For God so loved the world. God loves you. God wants you to know it. God wants you to live in it. God wants you to be able to love others because you know you are loved. God's love is expressed to us every week, most tangibly, as we gather at this table. The son who died and yet lives Gave everything so we could know the depth of God's love. So come, drink the wine, eat the bread. Know you are loved. God loves you. Go love the world with him.